0: Good morning, everyone. Well, as you may or may not have noticed, Pastor George and Pastor Michelle are not with us this morning. Um, And for good reasons. They are off celebrating and taking some time away to celebrate their anniversary. So we thank God for them. We thank God for their marriage. We thank God for their ministry. We thank God for a much-needed vacation for the two of them. So if they're watching online, hi, guys. Turn around to the camera. Hi, guys. All right. Well, I know everybody's hot. I see you waving. your. (laughs) I see everybody with their their fans. But we're excited to get into the word this morning. Um, So much has happened since the last time that we've um, been up here to serve the word to you. I can't say good things. I have to say challenging things. I have to say trying things. Um, I wish that story was different coming up here this morning. But one thing I thank God for is the consistent grace of God the consistent strength that never fails us. I thank God that, like, the song we were singing this morning, he has the last word, and it is finished. And in him, we can do all things. Amen? Amen. So this morning, we're going we're gonna to preach a message to you entitled, Developed in the Dark. And my husband's going to start you out.
1: Just bear with me. I, got, I think I got the flu or something this morning.
0: You know what? Why don't we just extend our hands just for a second because he's not feeling too well. Why don't we just do that? (laughs) Lord, I just, um, I thank you for my husband, Lord God. I thank you for your grace over his life. I thank you that he can do all things through you. So, Lord, I just pray a prayer of healing over him right now in Jesus' name. I ask, Lord, that from the top of his head to the sole of his feet, Father, that you would make him well, that your spirit would energize him, that you would inspire him this morning to speak all the things that are on your heart to serve to your people. We can do nothing without you, God. So I pray in this hour that you would increase and that we would decrease for your glory and your honor in Jesus' name.
1: Amen. 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 My wife, when she came up with this title, Develop in the Dark, I was like, oh, it's a great idea. And as we started developing this actual message, uh, it was a little difficult. You know, to, to hear that you're being developed in the dark is like, what does that mean, you know? You mean my struggles and everything that I'm going through, that God is doing something wonderful in me? But in the midst of it, I don't feel like that. I don't know about you. The Lord led me to this scripture, um, Proverbs thirteen twelve. Hope defer makes the heart sick, but when the desire is fulfilled, it is a tree of life. I asked the Lord, what is, what is it you want me to say today to the people? And God said, I want to heal my people today. For so long, we've been in this this stage of development in God, and we go through these turmoils and trials, and we go through these, you know, God is doing wonderful things, but it's just tragedies happening, so many stuff that we're going through, so much pressure, and as we're waiting, our hope is like diminishing. The weight is killing us. And what happens is, when we're in the dark so long, we begin to uh, get used to it, and we lose hope, and we we don't see the light anymore in the end of the tunnel. We adjust ourselves to the darkness now and start succumbing ourselves to the things that are in the dark. And we're we're like almost like Joseph. Like we go through one stage after another. We go through, we get sold away. We get abandoned. We get uh, uh, in prison, falsely accused. So many things happen to us. And it's like if this is God's work in our lives and he's doing something wonderful, why do I feel so crappy? Why do I feel defeated? I asked God, God was telling me this the other night. He was like, do you know the time that you're in right now? And I was like, yeah, I'm in a, like a dark, a dark season, Lord. And he was like, no, don't you know that you're about to come out of the darkness? You're so used to the dark. You're so used to seeing yourself in the darkness that you don't even know what it is to come out. You ever been to the movies? I don't know, usually the light goes on in the movies right before you come out. But I remember as a kid coming out the theater and it was like so, such a sunny day and you could barely see. Because you've been in the dark in that movie, watching that for so long. And God's like, I want to begin to adjust you and transfer you from the darkness into the light. I want to um, read this scripture. This is in Genesis 45. You know, if we, like I said before, Joseph uh, went through these, all these trials. And he was in prison. And he was asking uh, these two guys to interpret their dreams. And he said, remember me. He spent another two years. This, is, this, this scripture right here is like 21 years later. Since he's been away from his father and his brothers tried to kill him and abandoned him and sold him into slavery. And in his development, he, I, there's something amazing about how he responds to his brothers that I'm going to read. That I don't know if I can do that at this place in my life. I don't know if I can be in a place where I come out through trials and the ones who have done me so, such harm and the ones that have done me so wrong that I can have this attitude towards them. But I believe God has taken us, th- has took us through a journey and he's about to bring us into the light. And in that light, there's healing. In that light, there's restoration. Your hope that's been deferred for so long, is going to be over. I believe God is saying, through the songs that God is saying is finished. I don't know how your circumstances... See, you see things sometimes. <laughs> like, oh my God, sorry. I just saw somebody sins again. I said, hey, look at that. <laughs> All right, let me read the scripture. <laughs> so, I didn't see. I, I'm looking at you guys, you know, right? <laughs> Sorry. You just see people alone and then they're sitting with somebody, like, oh, wow. Man. <laughs> miracles. We were speaking about miracles yesterday, right? <laughs> I'm feeling better now, right? Come on, let's go. Genesis <laughs> Genesis 45. <laughs> Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold in Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because it was to save lives that God has sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been a famine in the land. And for the next five years, there will be no plowing or reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve you you a a remnant on earth to save your, your your lives by a great deliverance. The Lord told me that there's a famine in our land right now. A lot of us are thirsty. A lot of us are hungry. A lot of us are looking for a way out of our situation. A lot of us are asking God, when is this going to end? Like my wife was talking about, we just went through a a situation where her her aunt, it's like like a mother to her, passed away. And we watched her, we sat in the bed with her, watched her pass away. I've never seen anything like that in my life. For me, I would go to funerals and that's the only time I will see somebody pass. But to actually sit there and watch them die... And gasping for breath. And then praying with her and holding her hands. And then my wife sitting there to the last, last, actual last breath she breathes. It was like traumatizing. That we all felt sick. You I don't know if you've ever been to a situation like that. But it's like, why is this happening? Why, why, why this stage now? What's going on here? Why do we have to experience these things in life? Sometimes life sucks, man. Let's be real. But there's a reason why we go through every storm. There's a reason why. There's a development process that's happening in our lives that we cannot see in the dark. You know, there's a saying that says the conscious is like a like a, um, a sundial that when the light shone, the light of the word shines on it, that it'll show us the direction we're supposed to go. But we're in the dark, and when you're in the dark situations, it's hard to see where the next step is going to come through. And our conscience starts to speak to us and tell us, things are never going to change. You, re- you saw this story already. You know what's going to happen. Bad things are going to happen again. You're going to extend yourself and be kind and then ba- they're going to hurt you again. You're going to be disappointed. Why would you do that? They're going to rob you, steal from you. They're going to take all your ideas, all these different things that we're so used to happening to us that when we're coming into the light, we're afraid to come out of it because we're just expecting the negativity to happen all over again. But if there's a purpose in our journey, if there's a purpose while we're going through this, then what's the ending of the situation? What does that look like? Joseph went through all these situations, but one thing he had was faith. He didn't know when the next step was going to happen. He didn't know where he was going to go. He just had faith and hope that things would work out. But we're used to the dark. I don't know about you, but I, I get used to the dark sometimes. Sometimes you waiting so long. The only thing you expect is the worst. You expect negativity to happen. You know, the tree fell. And we had that situation with the church and it's like, what happens now? The first thing everybody has is things will be the same. We just got a bigger building. We'll, we'll go through problems. We'll go through all the same situations. Things won't change. I just noticed that things are changing. I don't know what, how, what's happening, but I just know in a, in a positive, great way, things are changing, and I'm not used to that. I'm used to church being a certain way. I'm not just talking about here. Just church in general has been such a way where, oh, this is going to happen. This one's going to hurt you. That's gonna, it's, it's always the same way. But I, never, I can't believe how things are changing so fast. The words are coming forth, the unity, people's lives being changed. I, I, it's weird. And it's almost like I'm walking down the light with sunglasses on. Still trying to prevent the light from hitting me. Still used to being in the dark, so I need some kind of shade to cover, cover me because I'm not used to this light. But God said, I want to heal you today from all these hurts. I want to heal you from the process that you went through because the process that you're going through is something great that you're about to do for others and things are going to be done for you. But we need to be healed from our broken heartedness. We need to be healed for the time that we've been deferred and we're waiting. Our hope is gone. Our faith is gone in people. We don't trust nobody no more. We're getting caught up. I was talking about this with my wife the other day. Sometimes you get caught up, hanging with your friends in the job and like, hey, you're acting stupid, you know? Like, what happened? How did I get to this point? Get caught up in waiting and just be like, well, since I'm here, might as well, you know? Is that happening to us sometimes? That we're so used to the dark? That we're adjusting ourselves? You know, in the in military, when they shoot flares in the air, they tell you to close your eyes because you won't be able to see in the dark. Our eyes are closed too long. And God is showing us now and telling us now that your, your, your time of, of visitation, of restoration, and, and coming out of the darkness is now. But it's hard to believe it. It's hard to believe it. I, you know, I, my, my father told me this about my uncle the other day. He said, my uncle was sitting as a youth, and he was sitting in the pews, and he was in a Spanish church. And the guy was like, get up and go to the front. Get up. Because I guess everybody went to the front, so he had to go too. So he said, get up and go to the front. Get up and go to the front. So my uncle goes up and gets to the front. And he kneels on the floor and he turns to the pastor and he says, I'm on, I'm, I'm right here on the floor on the knees. My heart is still over there in the pews, not wanting to get up. How many of us are like in a place where I'm worshiping, I'm seeking the Lord, I'm singing, um, he has the last word it's finished. But in my heart, I'm like, this stinks. Nothing's changing. Nothing's happening. Nothing's going my way. Everything's falling down the cracks. Is that our hearts today? Is that where we add in our spirits and our minds? Because hope deferred made us sick? But it says, but a, the desire fulfilled is a tree of life. When Joseph was in that position to embrace his brothers and to love them and to tell them, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. you did. God sent me here for, the sa- for saving all of us. He became a tree of life in that situation. To rescue people. To set people free. To bring people hope. My hope is this. My hope is that when I'm, whenever I'm done with the storm and, and the, the dark season, I come out of that dark season, that I'm going to be such a light to so many people. That things that I struggle with things that I go through will just wash away. That my healing will come as well. My frustrations, my angers, my worries, my anxieties. Frustrations, depressions, all these things that body of Christ that we deal with, which, which, which we shouldn't deal with. Because we're hopeless. But the season is changing. That if you will notice that the sun is the sun of God is shining upon us, and if we look at the sun out of our spirit, we will see that wait a minute, things are changing somehow. And all you gotta do is say yes, Jesus, to the change. Just change me. Do whatever you're doing. I'll get through this through your strength. And in the end of it, everything I've been desiring. Everything I've been hoping for, everything I thought was a dream, was fake, was a lie, is going to come to pass. God is not a liar. He's not like man that tells us all these good, you know, fuzzy things and stuff like that, you know. Even if I'm saying this to you, I'm not just trying to fuzz you up. I'm being honest, speaking from my heart, from where I'm going through. As a body, God is about to transform us to the next stage of our lives. We don't see it because we're in the dark, but it's okay because the light is about to shine. We don't know what the next turn. We're afraid to trust people, but don't worry. God's going to put people in front of you that you're going to begin to trust. And they'll give you opportunities, job opportunities, ministry opportunities. Your wait is not in vain. The time you've been waiting for is not in vain. Your mourning season is coming to an end. Your frustration is coming to an end. Me and my wife always had these things that God would tell us and it was always like these dreams, right? Like, oh, that's cool. They're like wishes that we were hoping for. But I don't know, what's God is happening. I remember in the beginning of the year, the Lord told me I'm about to bring you out of Egypt. And we were talking about that in the school, remember that? I don't know if you guys remember. And I've just been seeing things happen one after the other. Though my heart still feels in a place where I'm still waiting, but my eyes are shut because I don't see everything else that's happening around me that's in, in my favor. Opportunities to travel. Financial blessings. All right. <laughs> Wait, can I say that? What was happening with us? We're getting cars just like people buying us cars, brand new cars. She's getting a new car next year. I'm like, how you get a new car? You just got a car the other day. Just provision. You don't know that God is bringing provision for us? Even when we don't see it, provision is being made. I'm not just talking about materialistic things, but some of us are sick in our bodies. Some of us got emotional needs and a mental needs. Don't you know, God is making provision for us in this season. In this dark season, nothing's in vain. Nothing we go through is in vain. We don't have to know the 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 the, the middle part. All we need to know is that the end is coming now. And it's victory for us. There's hope for us. I want I want to pray that you that that you would just you would just know that. Even if in the darkness that I don't see the, see the way in this, I can't follow. You know, they say that some people when they take a sundial, if you take a flashlight in the night, that's just what I feel like I do sometimes. You take a, in the dark, you put a flashlight, I could dictate where the time is. Because it's not accurate to the, it's not accurate as the sun. So I could take a flashlight and say, oh, it must be sad time. Oh, it must be blessing time. And I don't even know what the time is. I'm so confused to determine when is God's way. But God said, let me shine my light. Let me do what I'm supposed to do with you right now. Let me break through in your life. Let me show you the way out. And when we come out of this situation, we're not going to come out all defeated and broken. We come back with new wisdom. We come back with authority. We fall in, in, our, in our laps. We're just blessed. going to just fall in our laps. And, sh- and God's going to show his favor for the waiting. It's almost like it's, we're like, like, like what I was saying with the other time where I think last week I was talking about it uh, the week before where like we're walking into something. We don't know where we're going, but we're just going to fall in our laps. Just the blessing of God. Now, all your work, all your hard work, right, Alice? All your hard work in the church and you're waiting. You just, Lord, just do you, do what you call us to do. Do what you call us to do. And next thing you know, it's just going to pour out like, like, like lava, fire. And like, how did that happen? What did I do different? It's just the time. It's the season. It's the time now. The year is coming, almost coming to an end. God makes some promises to me for this place, for my family, and I know I'm going to see it. I got another scripture for you guys. This is uh, Psalms 27, 13. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's my confidence that I'm going to see the goodness of God in this land of the living. That I'm not going to go into to, to eternity, and never knowing the God's goodness in His time, or never knowing the, the fullness of what God has called me to do, or called you to do. I believe in God to answer your prayers. I believe in God to heal you today. Your fears, everything that was done wrong to you, is for a purpose. What the enemy meant for evil, God's going to turn around for your good. He meant to destroy you, the enemy. He meant to defeat you. He meant to depress you. Keep you bound. Keep your arms bound from doing the work of the Lord. For loving people. But God is going to turn that around for your good. And do such a wonderful thing in your lives. Amen? Amen. Amen.
0: You know... During these past several weeks, Pastor George has been teaching us about the supernatural, right? If you've been paying attention, if your heart has been stirred, and I hope that it has been, I hope that your heart's been stirred, I hope that your mind has been challenged to move forward in the supernatural and to believe for miracles. But the one of the greatest obstacles that holds us back from experiencing these miracles is the question, why? And I tell you, The question why has been a stumbling block for me for a long time. Because sometimes I get stuck. I get stuck at why. And that why brings me into a very dark place. Because I'm trying to figure things out. And I'm trying to make sense of life when everything just doesn't seem to make sense around me. When prayers that I've prayed are being answered but not the way that I thought they were going to happen. Like my husband was saying, it's like, you know, you're in the darkness for so long, you're praying in that dark place, you're, you're praying in that secret place where it's dark and nobody can see you, but you're confident that God hears you. And then all of a sudden, it starts to happen and it starts to unravel this thing that you've asked God for and it's literally coming to pass in front of you, but it's almost like your eyes are still shut. And you're really not aware and you're not really experiencing the joy of the blessing and the answer to prayer because it came in a way that you did not expect. It didn't satisfy your why. In fact, the answer could be producing even more of a why. Well, why why did it have to happen like that? Well, why, well, why why did that very dark thing have to happen to me in order for this to come about? I think about that with my my adopted family a lot of the time. I think about, you know, I've prayed for 20 years for salvation. So how come it's not until my family reaches their deathbed that I see salvation come to pass? So then it's hard for my heart to rejoice over the salvation, even though that is the single-handed greatest miracle that Jesus came to provide for the world, is the salvation. But I couldn't even rejoice over that because I get stuck in my why. I wanna read you a quote that I read online this week about miracles. Miracles are a complete relinquishment of the human understanding. It's the place where you wipe the board clean. In the dark night of the soul, it collapses. Now when I got saved and I went through such darkness and confusion and loss no one told me that when I came to Christ when I came into the light that there was going to be another dark season no one told me that I was going to have to fight through some things that didn't again make any sense and there's this saying and there's a I think even think it was a book that was written called the dark night of the soul and I know that many of us in here have experienced that And the dark night of the soul and and, and the heaviness of life can come in many different forms. It could be a financial reversal. It could come in the form of failure, a job loss, a strenuous challenge, sickness, a disappointment, loneliness, separations, death. It leaves us feeling confused and frustrated and doubtful and lonely and fearful and angry and faithless and almost in a place of despair very much in a place of despair. And this is normal in life, but this is also normal in Christ. So if you're walking through something really heavy today that's really dark, and it may even be causing you some sort of depression, you know, know, I know that we Christians, I know we are more than victorious, I know all the cliche answers to depression, I get it. I know it, but let's be honest and live in reality and admit that sometimes we walk through depression, and it's okay to say, you know what, I'm struggling with anxiety, and I don't know how to get over it, and I'm struggling with depression, and I can't see a way out. You know, the book of James tells us to confess our faults one to another and pray for one another, not to deny those things in us. Please do not deny that in you yes you are more than a conqueror yes but you may not feel that way and life throws things at you sometimes in in the dark places but this is a natural thing even in the bible and great men like even king david when my husband was reading that psalm when david said i would have fainted Had I not believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the lands of the living, the reason why he was saying that was because he was hiding out from his enemies. The reason why he was saying that was because his soul was in a low state, was because he had to remind himself. He had to say to himself, no, wait a second, there's a purpose for my pain. There's a purpose for all of this, just like Joseph said. When Joseph was imprisoned, he reminded himself, no, wait, there's a purpose here. I'm not going to shut down. And in that prison, in that darkness, Joseph used his giftings to be a blessing to other people. When I was preparing for this message, I heard the Lord say this. And this is for somebody here today. And I don't want to say one person, two people. It, it, it's for you. It's for you. But I specifically heard God say this and pose this question. Did you forget that he turns beauty from ashes? Did you forget that great exchange? Did you forget that these ashes that are in front of you, that something beautiful is gonna come forth from it? Have you forgotten? So, what do I want you to do this morning? What is the point here? To tell you that things develop in the dark? Yes. But what I also wanna get you to do is I wanna provide you with some applicable things. Because there's a believer's response to trials, to darkness, to depression, to anxiety. There is a real applicable way to be able to overcome this. And sometimes, guess what? It's not just quoting scripture. Yes, is the word living? Yes, it absolutely is. And I hope that you're getting in that word because it transforms. It transforms your mind. It absolutely does. But you know, Paul said that he would want, he wanted the people to prosper even as their soul, even as their soul would prosper, right? So we have the mind, we have the spirit, we have the body, and we have the soul. And so my prayer is that you would prosper in health, and that you would prosper intellectually, and that you would prosper in your mind, and that you would prosper and grow in your spirit to come closer to the knowledge of the love of God. But this morning, I want you to know that if your soul, is in despair, there is an applicable way to come out of this. Amen? All right. I want to take you over. I want to take you over to, give me one second, Matthew 26, verse 26 to 36, I believe, or 36 to 39. Yeah. If you put it up there, I'll read off the screen. All right. It says, Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. I'm going to pause there for a second. Do you know that the garden called Gethsemane is actually translated into the word oil press? If you know anything about an oil, does anybody know how we get olive oil? Right, from the olive. But in order for that oil, right, to come forward, that that olive needs to be crushed crushed pressed it needs to be pressed it needs to have pressure put on it and if you're familiar with this portion of scripture you know that this is this portion of scripture is leading into the crucifixion of Christ and so this is after he has his last supper with his disciples and he's having this time alone with God and it says and he said to his disciples sit here while I go over there and pray And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Even Jesus was full of sorrow and he was deeply troubled. He had the weight of the world on him because he was about to give his life in exchange for you and I, for humanity, for people who were not even born yet. For every sin that could be accounted for from the day you opened your eyes into this world until the day you take your last breath. And so it says, then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed. Saying, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. And I want to pause right there. Because That's Jesus in all his humanity. And if you ever thought for a second that Jesus didn't understand what you were walking through, I hope that this portion of scripture gives you that much hope this morning to understand that he is very much in touch with what you're walking through when you're in the darkness. Because he said, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me I don't want to go through this I don't want this pressure on me this is too much from my flesh my heart can't take it I don't know how to stare death in the face and live when I was going through what I just went through we went through a tremendous loss and I had to dig really deep because I think one of my greatest fears was to watch somebody die and I didn't think that my human flesh could possibly handle something like that but when I was in the room with my aunt who was like a mother to me, who helped raise me, automatically it wasn't even a question whether or not I would sit by her side and watch her die. There was no question in my mind. This fear was not greater than the love that I had for my aunt in that moment. But I had to dig deep because it was scary. Because for days we didn't know when she was going to take her last breath for days and days and it was almost way too much for me to bear and I cried a lot and I still cry a lot because I'll never forget that moment I'll never forget those days and as I stared at her and as I was sitting in the room I began to quote that fear is not greater than love that perfect love casts out all fear And just like David did, I began to say, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Because I know that God is with me. Because I know that he's put me in this circumstance so that I can stand in the gap for salvation. So that I could love and and pour out some of the greatest ministry. And thank you, Pastor Gary, for, for telling me that. Pouring out some of the greatest ministry I could have ever poured out in my entire life. Was in that moment sitting there. Holding my aunt as she took her last breath. The greatest ministry, the greatest place of love was to go beyond that fear. But like Jesus said, but if it's possible, let this pass from me. And I love the last portion of that scripture. It says, nevertheless, your will, your will be done. Your will be done. So are you going to go through a place maybe of depression and anxiety and worry and fear and pressure? Yes, you are. You are. And you may be there right now. And are you going to cry out? Is your flesh going to go nuts and say, no, I don't want this, God? No. Why? Why? But I believe that the Spirit of God is going to bring you to a place where you're going to say, nevertheless, Your will be done. I surrender my why. I surrender all the things that don't make sense in my life right now. And that is a very applicable place, is when you get into that place of surrender. And you don't have to feel it. You just have to want it. Does that make sense? You just have to want the life of Christ to be seen and the glory of God to be seen in your circumstance. It can be dark, and it can be troublesome, but if you have a desire in you to have something beautiful developed out of you in that dark place, all you got to do is ask, because the anointing that's going to come forth from your pain is going to be something that could have never, ever been developed while you're skipping along the road. I'm not saying that joy is not part of the journey. I'm not saying that there aren't going to be glorious, happy days. But what I'm saying is that unless there is pressure and you're feeling a little bit pressed and and, and saying, oh, my God, is this going to kill me? Is this going to take me out? Unless you're feeling that, how else can the anointing come forth? How else can that power be birthed from on the inside of you? And it's a conscious choice. It's a conscious choice I make that in the midst of adversity that I still stand up here with my husband and say, I'm going to continue to preach the gospel. I'm going to continue to give the good word. And no matter how dark I feel, I'm going to continue to pour out. And guess what God does? He says, okay, well, then here you go. Here's grace for the journey. Here's the healing that you need, that while you speak to them, there's a supernatural transference happening from the kingdom of heaven inside of me. And something in me is being given back up to God and coming out, and I don't even know. But because my heart is willing, amen? And again, we're talking about this supernatural walk. And in 2 Corinthians, if you could bring that up on the screen, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17 to 18, it says, For our light and momentary troubles... Isn't that amazing? Paul said for this light and momentary. So what he's talking about is in contrast of the glory of God, in contrast of the kingdom, this light affliction, this momentary depression, this momentary anxiety. He's saying momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. It far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And it's amazing because when we talk about the supernatural, oftentimes your mind, and this is normal, it's nothing wrong if, if your brain goes there, but normally what happens is you'll think about the lame walking, right? Blind eyes opening, right? The deaf ears opening. Mute tongues speaking. That's what we automatically think of. But this, this is supernatural for these things, for these troubles. In the world, you're going to go through trouble if you're not in Christ. And then what's it going to be for? But the supernatural work of Christ is that in him, it produces power. In him, it produces something that's glorious. That You're not going to get that out in the world. I went through so much in the world. Nothing good ever came from that. I couldn't even help nobody because I couldn't help myself. I couldn't help myself out of the depression. I couldn't grieve without falling into a severe depression. But now, now in Christ, I can grieve with a hope that I'm going to see my aunt again, that I'm going to rejoice with my loved ones. And I choose. It is a choice I make, not a feeling that I have. Let me be very clear. This has nothing to do with what I feel. Because if I give myself over into everything that I feel, I'm going to be in a bad place. I'm going to be in a bad place. But the fruit of the spirit is self-control. And it's hard when you're walking through that heaviness and that darkness. And if you need to cry, please cry all you need to cry. If you need to scream into a pillow, why scream it as loud as you can? But do me a favor. Remember... Remember that God is there with you. Remember that you're not alone when you do that. Remember that there's hope that's being poured out on the other side of what you're walking through. Remember this morning, there was a man named Stephen in the Bible, and he he got stoned. He got stoned for being a martyr. He was a martyr for Christ, somebody who gave his life up for the preaching of the gospel. And right before he was stoned, right before he was murdered... He was being accused by all the religious leaders. And I thought this was marvelous. It was so amazing. His answer to those accusations, he began to recall the story of the faithfulness of God to Abraham. And he started to give an account of the faithfulness of God throughout all the generations of the forefathers of our faith. Who gives an answer like that right before they're about to be murdered? He's giving them a Bible study. Right before they're about to throw these big boulder rocks and stones at him to kill him. Because in that moment, he's remembering the faithfulness of God in the face of death. He made a choice. And God poured out his grace because just as he was about to die and they were throwing the stones at him, he looked up and he saw an open heaven. And he saw the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of God. And he began to declare that in the face of death and darkness. So I want you, what do I want you to do this morning? I want you to remember who your God is. I want you to remember that in this word, there are promises that were from yesterday, today, and forever, and ever, and ever. I want you to remember that you are not alone. I want you to remember that these miracles are going to require you to lay down your why. I want you to remember that he is a father to the fatherless. I want you to remember that he is a husband to the widow. I want you to remember that he is a provider for all those who are living in lack today. I want you to remember that he is the God of your salvation. That if he can save you, he can save your husband and your wife and your children and your grandparents. There is nothing that he cannot and will not do. I want to leave you with this story. There was a, a man named Horatio Spayford. Some of you may know who he is. Sorry, one second. Some of you may know who he is. He was a good friend of, I think I'm saying this right, D.L. Moody. I that was his name. He was a big evangelist. Back in the 1800s. And Horatio Spayford was a successful businessman who... Him and his wife had a lovely marriage, successful in all he did. And his son, when his son, I believe it was about, his son was about two years old, his son died. And then he was living in Chicago at the time, and a few years later, there was the huge Chicago fires that um, completely burned up everything in Chicago. And he lost his life savings. And so with the little that he had left, he sent his wife and his remaining four daughters um, away on uh, a vacation. And while they were on this vacation, they boarded a boat. And uh, upon that boat, there were over, I think it was 200 people. And four of his daughters died. And his wife survived. Now, can you imagine... Can you imagine that weight, the weight of that loss? Can you imagine the weight of that? Well, he had to take a journey to go back over the waters that his daughters had passed away in. Four daughters. And as he did that, he made a choice. He made a choice to take out a pen and paper and to start writing in the midst of his darkness, just like David did. David wrote songs in the dark night of the soul. David wrote songs to God, wrote poems to God in the midst of his darkness. And so that's what Horatio Spafford did. He penned one of the greatest hymns that the church world has ever known. And I tell you, it's my favorite hymn of all time. And a lot of you may know this hymn because I see a lot of you nodding. I know a lot of you are familiar with this hymn. And if I could have you all stand to your feet for a moment. And as we get ready to close, I want to sing just a little piece of it over you. And I know that some of you know this song, so when we get to the chorus, you can help me out because I don't have any music. But that's okay. Amen.
2: Amen. When peace. Tendeth my way When sorrows like sea.
0: We worship you in this place, God. We worship you because no matter what season we're walking through, no matter what season we face, Father, we know that we have the assurance of your spirit. We know that you are the hope that anchors us, God. We know that you will never leave us and that you will never forsake us. We understand that we are never alone in this world, We understand, Father, that you are the strong tower of refuge that we can run into and find safety in. We thank you that your salvation is our light. That your presence lights up our path, God. So I ask you this morning, God, if there are those in here, Father, that are feeling like they cannot figure out their way out of this darkness, Father that you would supernaturally illuminate the light to them even in this moment God I pray father if if there are things on the inside of your people that are being suppressed if there are emotions and hardships that your people have found hard to come face to face with and they've pushed them so far um, down on the inside of them that, that, that that they can't even believe anymore i pray that those chains would be destroyed this morning in the name of jesus and that they would be able to begin to release those things to you that you would begin to break up The foul ground that you would break down the walls that your people are using to protect themselves even against you. Father, I ask that the power of the Holy Spirit would come and supernaturally release your people of the burdens that they're carrying. You know, I I just feel in my heart, there are are those of you in here... um, You don't know where to put your pain. You kind of have all of it. And you've said to yourself, almost, I kind of have this picture in my head, like, the Lord is showing me, like, you know, when you have guests come over your house, right? And you don't have enough time to clean up. You have that one closet or that one bedroom that you take all the mess and you shove it in that room and you close the door and that door's off limits. And as hilarious as that is, because I've done it too. In the spiritual sense, that can be very dangerous. Because you know how to put on a show for everyone. You know how to entertain the people around you. And you do a good job of it. But when everybody leaves and nobody is around, there is a storage full of pain sitting in a back room in your soul somewhere and you're too overwhelmed to unpack it because you don't even know where to start and you say to yourself well it's going to take too much time if I start one thing then I'm going to have to get this done and I'm going to have to unpack that I'm going to have to clean this and I just don't don't have no time who got time for that I got a life to live I got children to take care of I got a job that I got to wake up every morning to I got a husband I got to attend to. I got sick family members that need my attention. But guess what? That's going to keep piling and piling and piling. And sometimes what happens is that you push it further down and down. And it's down so deep that you're looking at your faith life and you're looking at your spiritual walk with God. And you say, but I don't understand why I can't move forward. I don't understand why I'm held back. I'm doing all the right things. I'm treating people good and I'm I'm going to church every Sunday and I say my prayers with my kids every night. But why? Why can't I move forward? Because God, God wants to unpack your heart this morning. There are so many of you that are holding on to so much. And all it's doing is weighing down your faith. Because there are these miracles. It's now, like my husband said, it's the season of miracles. And it's coming. It is coming your way, ready or not. It's coming. But are you going to enjoy it? Are you going to give God thanks for it? Are you going to share it with the world? Or are you going to still be stuck trying to unpack that mess? And God doesn't want that for you. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how old you are. You could be seven in this room and be heavy. You could be 99 in this room and still be packing away the pain. But would you let God this morning unpack your heart? Would you let God this morning into those places that you won't let anybody else touch? Will you let God into that shame? Will you let God into that place of pain and depression and anxiety that you are so ashamed of? There is no shame in him. You are free this morning to unpack your heart before the Lord. And I want to invite you down to this altar. And as Ephraim and the worship team come and they begin to sing... I want you to know that Christ is here and that we do not serve a God who is not touched with the feeling of our infirmity. We do not serve a God that can't understand our pain. He is here to unpack your heart this morning so that you can be free to experience the goodness of this life, the goodness of the miracles, the goodness and the joy of your family. So what do I want you to do this morning? I want you to remember that God is with you and that you are not alone and that he is here to unpack your heart.
3: expectancy, when we come expecting Father, Lord you never let us down Father when we come seeking change you change things you change situations Lord when we come seeking Protection, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Father, we seek your protection as we leave this place, Lord. Father, we're careful to give you all the glory and all the honor, Lord, as you deserve it. Father, we look forward to just the many encounters with you, Lord, as you guide our steps, Lord. We thank you. Family, you are blessed, so be a blessing.